it, it, I mean, look, it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, and he's got to make the most of it. Oh, goodness. <laughs> That's terrible. Wow. Welcome, everyone, to the Super Halo Brothers Los Angeles Angels podcast, episode 19. Hey, Jealousy, that's our Shohei Otani. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Super Halo Brothers Los Angeles Angels podcast. My name is John, and that's my brother, Mike. And my name is Mike, and that's my brother, John. And we are two brothers who are lifelong fans of the Angels, and we decided to start this podcast with the goal and the vision of getting the Angels to the World Series. The World Series. The big one. And uh, so far, we're hopeful. <laughs> That's all we got, but we're going to be hopeful. That's all we got. We're going to hang we're on to hope. We're always going to be hopeful. Hold on to hope, baby. That's right. That's right. Hey, uh, if you're interested in following us on social media, you can find us at Super Halo Bros on Instagram and Twitter. Speaking of Instagram, Mike, your Shohei pillow picture, uh-huh. the most liked photo we've ever had on Instagram. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the muscle. I think it was the, uh, the the beefy upper arm. Can I can I just be really vulnerable with you? I had no idea okay. that my arm was actually smashed up against my body. That is not my real muscle. <laughs> that was not intentional. I was trying to be cheesy with a smile, and then I realized when I sent you the photo that my arm was total flexing right there. So um, <laughs> I I guess I can just say you're welcome. <laughs> it was. It was the uh, the power of the pillow. It was the power of the pillows. Those things are hideous, by the way. They are ugly, <laughs> but we have everybody wants one, and we have sixteen because we took our whole family and our extended family to the game on Monday Listen, night. If 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 you don't give your sister in law, my wife, a pillow, she's going to be very upset. Oh, we have one for her. Trust me, we have one okay, for her. Fantastic, and she for was really mad. Her entire family. <laughs> she, <laughs> she was really mad we didn't go to the game last night. She was like, what? A pillow? Why didn't we go? I want a pillow. She can wear it with her Otani shirt. <laughs> That's right. Uh, but you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Super Halo Bros. We're part of Around the Diamond, which is a great group of content creators, collaborators. We all cover different teams around MLB. And uh, you can follow them at Around the Diamond on Instagram and Twitter. Mike, I didn't tell you this. This is a surprise. Uh, but Bobby is the mind behind Around the Diamond. Yeah. He's actually going to be out of town with the family for the All-Star break. So we are going to be doing an Around the Diamond team takeover. Oh, so really? I'm taking over Around the Diamond for the Home Run Derby and the All-Star game. Wow. So if you need some good content, I'd be willing to flex for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't you love it when you make yourself laugh? That's the best part. That's right. That's right. Um, also, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, would you take a moment, if, if if we have delighted you in any way, if we have made you laugh, if you enjoyed Mike's muscle. Um, <laughs> or made you cry. Then, pl- <laughs> then please uh, leave us a, a five-star rating or review. Yeah. Uh, we really appreciate that, on especially on Apple Podcasts, where the reviews really help boost us up in the charts and, and, and really help people discover us. So that would be really awesome. One last thing I want to do, Mike, is I want to shout out Jacob and Tyler. Uh, they've been around about as long as us. Uh, a new podcast called Mike Up the Halo. Okay. And these two guys just have such great insight. They're two fans who love the Angels as much as we do. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, over the off season, I was craving so much, like, angel talk and baseball talk yeah. and wanted to know who we were going to sign or if we were going to make any trades. And I remember over, like, the dog days of winter, not summer, but winter, uh, like, late night 
doing dishes in the kitchen, popping my headphones in and just like listening to like Locked on Angels with Brent McGuire or, or Talking Halos with Jared Timms. Um, those are some of my favorite ones to listen to. But yeah. man, Mike Up the Halo is just so fun because it's two fans having great conversations around the Angels. And I, I really love what they bring to the table. And so if if once you guys are done listening to Super Halo Bros, look up Mike Up the Halo and uh, show those guys some love because they're awesome. Heck I yeah. really enjoy that. That's awesome. Shout out to you guys. Thanks for listening and thanks for being a part of Halo Nation. All right. Shall we get into it? Let's let's get into it. John, I'd like to start. Okay. I'd like to start with uh, the reality that I'm actually feeling pretty good about the Angels. And I know last week's episode yeah, we talked about hope and we're holding on hope. Uh, I'm, I'm really right. feeling like I'm still in a hopeful place and I have a few reasons why. First of all, did you know that the Angels went 15 and 11 in the month of June without Mike Trout? 15 and 11. That's so much better than anything I could have asked for. Right. <laughs> right. It doesn't feel like it. There were moments where it didn't feel like it, but that 15 and 11 right. mark is huge. And I think it's helped us to have some momentum as we moved into the dog days of summer. Now, yeah. I, do have a, I do have a question for you. Are you ready? Okay, hit me. Yes. So if I told you... At the beginning of the Super Halo Brothers Episode 1 podcast, that mm-hmm. by mid-July, the Angels would be without Anthony Rendon, Justin Upton, <laughs> Mike Trout for a large amount of time, that Barfing Bundy would put up numbers that would make you want to vomit, <laughs> and that Jose Quintana would lose his rotation, his spot in the rotation, how would you feel about the Angels? In fact, where would you put the Angels in mid-July in the standings, knowing all of that in our first episode? Where would you place the Angels? Can I can I add one more yeah, to that? Yeah, please. Uh, that Jose Suarez is in the rotation. Yes. <laughs> if you told me that at the beginning of the season, I would have said, what? And, I and said, we're, cancel the season, we're it's relying, over, cancel. We're relying upon your favorite player, Jose Rojas, noodle arm <laughs> and noodle legs. Oh, no. So where would you place the Angels knowing all of what we know now? If we were starting on episode one, where would you place the Angels if we had all of this information? Oh, man. Well, I, I would have easily said uh, sub 500 team. Yeah. Um, I would have said a fourth place team because I still think we would have been better than the Rangers. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, and the funny thing is, is that's kind of where we are now. We're 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 at 500 at the moment. Yeah. Uh, as of Tuesday night. But uh, no, dude, I I just wouldn't have had any hope knowing that that was going to be the case with the Angels this season. Right. But yet here we are. Here we are, sitting at 500 as of Tuesday night, playing really well against the Red Sox and. I'm amazed at where we're at, and I think that we actually can have some momentum heading into the All-Star break and potentially after the All-Star break, and we'll talk about those stats later on in this episode. Yeah, it's funny because last week, you know, our our episode was, uh, uh, are they, are, are the Angels done? Are they done? <laughs> and like I mentioned, there were just moments against that in that Rays series where it was like, oh, this team can't go anywhere. Yeah. Um, but they, they just give me so much hope and I, it's so frustrating. <laughs> it's it like, is. Yeah. Either let, let me down permanently or just be good. I just want to be, <laughs> yeah, I want to be completely depressed or I want to be completely joyful. I don't want any middle ground. <laughs> We're getting buttercuped. That's what's happening here. We're getting buttercuped. They <laughs> build us you, up just to let us down. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why I'm so glad they don't play that song for the seventh inning stretch anymore. Yes. We got built up so many times and then let down. <laughs> and then right let down. Why do they play that? Did, they not, did anybody listen to the words of that song? Right, right. No, the answer is no. They didn't listen to the words. <laughs> 
So, Mike, you must be sitting pretty and nice and comfy right now with your Otani pillow because you went to the game last <laughs> night. Yes. And that was the hot ticket item. There was a dude who somehow, like, left and re-entered and left and re-entered until he had big old trash bags, like two huge trash bags of Otani pillows. Patrick O'Neill wow. actually caught him sitting sitting in the pregame show spot and like filmed the guy and he was like, "Uh, what's happening here?" Huh. <laughs> so that was that was the hot ticket item. Plus, it was the Red Sox right. in town, which right. always draws a big crowd because they have fans everywhere. Um, so you went to the game with with the family and yeah. the extended family. Yeah. How was that last night? Oh man, it was a blast. I'll tell you, there's no capacity limits, and and so there were forty thousand yeah, right. plus people in that stadium. And I say this as a, were you sad that, were you sad that the COVID restrictions where nobody was sitting by you were over? (laughs) Well, I will tell you that we had a moment, my son and I had a moment where, and I say this as a, as an introvert that chooses to be an extrovert when necessary. Yes. um, I told him, I looked over at him and I said, this, this feels so good. I mean, the energy in this place feels so good. And seeing and interacting with fans and we had a good section of angel fans and a good section of red Sox fans there and of course there was always the guy that is really hilarious there was one angel fan who was a huge huge otani fan and when otani got up to bat the first time nobody was standing up we were cheering but nobody was standing up and so this guy was like you guys this is this is otani you got to get on your feet. And then, you know, a couple of pitches in, he was like, you guys, you're not standing up like this is Albert Pujols. This is Otani. Get on your feet. Like, so it was so it was so much fun. We were in right field in that little section right uh, in between where that gap is. And then you go up and then the wall in right field is there. So we're down in that little section by the foul pole. And nice. It was great. I mean, a lot of really good fans there. And and the game was a lot of fun. The Angels didn't win. It was a good game. And, and they didn't win. But I'll tell you, it was one of those games where I walked away going, that was a good loss. And the reason why I felt like it was a good loss was because they didn't lose it because they blew it. They lost it because the Red Sox played some killer defense. Some yeah, killer defense. Yeah, they were all over that field last night. Yes. Rob the home run. The the shift was on on Otani yep. for the last out of the game, but that had a did you know that had a ninety one percent chance of being a hit? Wow! <laughs> but it was the shift wow. that that caused the end of the game. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that was an expected batting average of ninety one percent. Unbelievable. Off of that Shohei uh, last at bat. So well, it was one of those games too where um, as we're waiting for the ninth inning to ramp up, I'm looking at the lineup. I'm talking to my son. I'm talking to other friends that are there. My daughter's boyfriend was there. He's not a not a baseball fan, but by the time the game was about to be over, he was as anxious and as nervous as we all were. And he said, <laughs> I've never felt like this at a sports game before. And I was like, well, That's y- y- awesome. welcome to the Angels, right? And so we're watching the game. And, and, and then as they're getting on base, I looked at my son and I said, if Fletch gets a hit here and we get Otani up, we, we have a huge chance of winning this. And then Fletch gets mm-hmm. a hit. And we're down by run, run. And I'm like, Otani's coming up. And everybody around us was like, Otani's coming up. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Otani's coming up. And it was just this wave of energy and excitement. And to be able to see the fans go crazy. And then I had a couple of Red Sox fans next to me. And they were looking at me. And they were like, this this sucks. This is terrible. Like, I'm so nervous right now. <laughs> and, you know, and, and it was a 3-1 pitch that he hit. And so they, they had to give him something to hit. 
And then the ball yeah. coming at us at right field, we thought it would get over. We thought maybe it would get through. And then, uh, of course, they, they got the final out. But there was this sigh of relief from the Red Sox fan in that game that was actually, I think, exciting for us because I think what it, again, communicated is that it was a good loss because the the, the bullpen held it together. They didn't blow it. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. Not, not hugely, right? And the offense was creeping back. And, you know, when your outfield is Juan Lagares and Ren Hifo and uh, also uh, your bu- your buddy uh, Rojas, like, oh, gosh. It's, it's one of those games where you're like, there's just no way we're going to come back. And then they ended up coming back and almost winning that game. And a couple of times, right, the home run is, is taken away. And then uh, Rojas is thrown out at home plate. And so in reality, we scored more runs to win that game. They just played really excellent defense. Yeah, there was a lot of instances where you think about the home run from Ligaris, or I'm sorry, from Renhifo. Yeah. That changes the entire face of the game. Yeah. Um, if if Noodle Arm and now Noodle Leg Rojas is safe at home. If he can slide that appropriately. That changes the complexion right? of the game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little bit silly that like, the fact that it, that call got overturned because it was another instance of where is the overwhelming evidence that he yeah, was out? Yeah. Because a lot of people pointed out that the catcher reached over to tag him twice yes. because he didn't even think he got yeah. on the first one. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's just it's it, I tried to uh, I tried to uh, draw, you know, the, the the billboard with the red strings attached to everybody's face and trying to connect the dots. It was Rob Manfred's favorite team is the Astros. And Alex Cora was on the Astros, and he went to Boston, and it was a call against the A, uh, the Angels, uh, uh, versus Boston. Oh, it's got to be overturned. <laughs> that was my conspiracy theory, uh, connecting the dots method yeah. that I that I figured That's, uh, was the reasoning behind Rojas getting called. That's going to be home. our next episode. John is now a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> <laughs> just a baseball conspiracy yes. theorist. Yeah. It was a great game to go to. And again, I, oh, like yeah. I said, it was a game that I think it was a good loss, even though that sounds like an oxymoron, it was a good loss. And I, I feel really hopeful about the team, especially in how they played last week. And I know that we played uh, the Yanks and the O's and, and those teams are not super fantastic, but the game that I was really excited about last week was last Wednesday's game against the Yankees, which started yeah. horribly by the way. Oh my gosh. That was terrible. A disaster. So talk about Shohei on the mound. <laughs> like he he doesn't get out of the first inning and it was kind of a a kind of a throwback to last year when he had his first start and and <laughs> couldn't get out of the first inning and I went, "Oh man, what's happening? Yeah. Who is this guy?" Yeah. right? It was it was a bad combination of the bad things that cap- that Shohei is capable of doing, yes. which is walking a ton, not having command not hitting the zone, but it was also a combination of John Lipka's strike zone was awful. Right. That umpire scorecard the next day, right. he didn't give Shohei any of the top of the zone. Yeah. And Shohei can't be Shohei if he's not getting calls like that. Right. And so it was just an awful combination of walks and singles and broken bat singles and things yeah. like that. I've seen a lot of people say Shohei got lit up for seven runs. I was like, that that's not the definition of lit up. No. First of all, no. he, he gave up four runs and had three on and stupid sleeves. Aaron Sleggers came in and gave up the three runs right. that were on base. Right. So those were charged to Otani, yeah. which is another reason why ERA is not always accurate. Um, but all of that to, to be said, um, yeah, that was, that was really rough to see that happen. But 
the weather was on our side. Yep. The rain delays were on our side yep. because it was it was eight to four in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah. A Rollis Chapman walks the bases loaded and gives up the most amazing grand slam to Jared Walsh. His first career grand slam that he's ever given up, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And it was a lefty lefty matchup. And we all know how Walsh struggles against lefties. Right. So that was something else. Man, I, I'm so glad. I tuned in six hours later from the start of that game to see yeah. Jared Walsh do that. Yeah. And then Renhifo add on some runs and just, Oh man, what a game. I, I was, I was blown away at the fact that Chapman was struggling because I don't think I've ever seen that guy struggle and he is always so confident. And when he comes into a game, the game's over. And so I turned on the, mm-hmm. I turned the game back on cause I had turned it off cause I was so, I was so frustrated and it was a six hour game. I turned it back on <laughs> and the bases were loaded and Walsh was coming up and I was like, Oh, this is interesting. And then realized like he had, <laughs> he had walked the bases loaded. And so yeah. I was like, wow. Okay. So he's got no control. And then while she hitting that grand slam just solidified that a, uh, he's my favorite player on the angels he's bar none. Awesome. Like he, I just, I love him and I love, I love him at first base. And then second, like I went nuts and cheered really loud in the house. And so everybody came running out of their rooms to find out what was happening. <laughs> you know, what's got to be really frustrating for somebody like Shohei or any professional athlete is you're going out there to perform and you feel like you are performing, but yeah. I can't think of any other sport where, um, as you're performing, it is, it is so necessary for somebody who is not you to actually be really good at their job at the very same oh. time. And we see that all the time with our starters and relievers, yeah. man. How many times have we seen a deflated Patrick Sandoval sitting in the dugout yeah. after being pulled? Yeah. And and he's just ticked off because whoever comes in after him has given up all the runs that are on base or right. whatever. Well, then you think about and you, or blew his win opportunity. Yeah. Well, and you think about the umps <laughs> that night too. Like you, you know, Shohei not not being able to have his spots, which were strikes, by the way. It wasn't like he yeah. was asking for a favor. Oh, he was all over. He was all over it. the yeah. strike zone, and you are reliant upon that. And and if you don't get it. Like, where do you throw the ball? Yeah, exactly. Where am I where supposed, supposed to do, to do this? With I, it? If I don't have the top of the zone, where am I throwing it? Oh, right in your wheelhouse. Okay, right? Like, right. That, doesn't, that doesn't work for me, and I can't see how, how it would work for any of these athletes. So I can understand the frustration, but I love that this was a game where we came back. Because remember, at the beginning of the year, the Angels were the comeback kids. Seven of their first yeah. ten wins were from come from behind, and so that was a good omen for the season. And Walshie was the one that actually started it all that's that first sunday night game matt vaskersian yeah first calling us right and he went to jared was the call right he went to jared so awesome and walsh is last week can we just talk about how clutch he has been for the angels oh, let's talk about walsh all day long go for please. it go for it <laughs> I, I, so he hits the grand slam on wednesday right and yeah then, clutch. and then friday comes and he hits the walk off on Friday to win the game yeah, against, against the Baltimore. Orioles. Yeah. Yes. He's got a big RBI on Saturday. He's got another RBI in the first inning on Sunday. And then they announce on Sunday that he's going to the all-star game. Oh yeah. He's a wall star. <laughs> that was good. Hey, now you're a wall star. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, it's so great that he got selected by the players to be a reserve because 
you know, he's not going to get voted in because of, of Vladdy Jr., obviously. That is a tough And he's not a Red Sox or a Yankee. Right. <laughs> that is a tough <laughs> vote to get. And in the yeah. in this and not to make this about anybody else but Walsh, but I was happy to see Matt Olson also got selected. So two yes. of the best first basemen who don't get talked about enough are both going to the All Star game, and that's huge. But man, that is huge. for for Jared Walsh to be selected and and go to the All Star game and and maybe get an inning somewhere in there toward the end of the game, that is just so cool. And 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 really like. This is his first season, honestly. Like, this is right. the season yeah. for Jared Walsh because 2019 he was doing the two-way thing because Osmus didn't know how to use him. Last year he yeah. came up in September, so it was only 30 games or so. So this is yeah. the first full and complete look that we're getting from Jared Walsh, and I couldn't be more thrilled. I saw a great meme that said uh, Jared Walsh, it was, it was two pictures. One was from 2019, one was from 2021. In 2019 it said Jared Walsh, winner of the cow milking contest. (laughs) (laughs) And then it said Jared Walsh, 2021 all-star. And it said underneath anything's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about a glow up, right? (laughs) Absolutely. His stats as of Tuesday night, he's hitting 280, 339 on base. He's got an OPS of 895, 20 home runs, Mm -hmm. 60 RBIs. And him and Shohei actually uh, have combined for over 50 home runs. And it was the first time since 2015 that some guy named Mike Trout and Albert Pujols actually did that. <laughs> and then the first time that it ever happened for the Angels was in 2000 with Troy Gloss and Garrett Anderson. That and is so, so this cool. Is, this, is, this is awesome. So he's he's my favorite player. Mark it down. I, I'm a huge Walshy fan, and I'm, I'm loving the fact that he's playing first base and that he's playing every day. And I love his defense. And we've talked about this, uh, you know, ad nauseum on the show, but I'm getting JT Snow, Wally Joyner vibes from this guy. And I and love it. Of course, if you're a longtime Angel fan, those two are are the heart and soul of the teams that they played for. And so, yay, Walshy, congrats on the all-star win, an all-star selection. That's right. Um, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves because I know we'll do a little Otani talk later, but the fact that he was also selected as a pitcher by yeah. his fellow players is unprecedented and so right. he does that make him a two-time all-star <laughs> once as a hitter and once as a pitcher because that is just it so should. cool because one it shows the fans are so thrilled with what he's been doing and and his numbers that he's putting up at dh but then to have the respect of his his fellow teammates and also fellow fellow players in the league to to put him in that position as a pitcher is just so yeah. cool speaking of pitching yeah. though Let's talk about Griffin Canning. Yeah, let's do that. That was an interesting um, news article this week. In- interesting information about Griffin Canning. You want to talk about that? Yeah. So uh, it came it uh, came to light after his start. Uh, was that Friday? He started. Um, I think after so. his start yeah. against Baltimore. Yes, yeah, we had to walk it off. Yes, that's right. He did not look great in that start against Baltimore. He just uh, you know the pitch count getting up there and up there really early on, giving up runs. So he was sent down to AAA uh, to work on some things. And um, there was a LA Times article with Joe Madden, and he said uh, this move of sending Canning down to AAA proves that you have to earn your spot to be here. And I thought that was a really interesting thing because we've kind of seen that with Sandoval and we've seen that with Suarez because they have both taken the spots of Quintana and Bundy respectively. Um, But with Canning, he, it seems that the move to AAA is going to give him a chance to pitch a game in AAA and make a start before the all-star break. And I'm not sure 
Um, they wanted, they, they really want to give him a chance to, to work on some things. And he's yeah. young enough to where I think that he can figure it out. I mean, heck, like he was a killer pitcher at UCLA. So I'm sure that guy still lives inside Canning somewhere somehow. What do you think? I, I agree. And, and one of the reasons why they did send him down was they didn't need uh, a six-man rotation. And so that's why they did send him down and to bring up an extra bat so yeah. that when Shohei's pitching, they had an extra player on the bench. So that totally makes sense. And so it wasn't necessarily just that he had been terrible. It was more along the lines of like, here's what's good for the team. Let's have him get another start, maybe get some confidence back. And and that's the thing about Griffin. When he was at UCLA, he was pitching complete games mm-hmm. and throwing 130 to 140 yeah, pitches good grief, a game. And so people were nervous about his arm, but he has actually got a really strong arm. I think what happens with Griffin is that once he gets hit, he just loses all of his confidence and it seems like he starts to nibble and you actually tweeted it out from the Halo Brothers uh, uh, Twitter account that he gave up a home run to somebody who was hitting like a buck 75. Oh gosh, and, yeah. And I think it was I like it was probably the first, or something like that. Yeah, it was like the first major league home run for that batter and he's yeah. done that a couple of times with a few different with a few different teams and a few different batters and so so Canning actually is reminds me a lot of Jared Washburn from mm. the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Washburn had a game where we were against the Red Sox in the playoffs, and he was up against D- uh, David Ortiz, and he just basically grooved one down the the pipe, grooved oh, one just a strike down the pipe because he was so over the calls and he couldn't get him out. And then Ortiz hit a walk off, and we we lost. It was one of the first times that we had lost to the Red Sox, and it happened over and over and over in the early 2000s. I'm still bitter, but <laughs> it was. It was one of those moments where uh, he was just over it. And I, I see Griffin Canning kind of in that same that same light where he is somebody who, man, I just can't get a strike here. I just can't get this guy out. And so here, try to hit it. And that might work for like a Verlander and that might work for somebody who is actually a strong, a strong ace. But I don't think it works for Griffin Canning. No. And Canning does not have that much of a speed differential between his fastball and his off speed. So a lot of the looks that these guys are getting at the plate coming out of Griffin's hand, it's it's just easy to read. It's easy to tell how fast it's going to be, whether it's got movement or not. It doesn't really seem to matter because if that speed is is the same, the, the bat catches up to that. And I think that's also yeah. a big part of Canning's problem. So hopefully when he comes back after the all-star break that we'll see some, some big changes. You know what it does though? Hmm. It makes room for Reed. <laughs> <laughs> My boy, Reed Detmers. Reed Detmers. He's going to get called up. He's going to come. I get to talk about him later on. So I'll save, I'll save all the goodness for it's that. It's got to happen, Speaking of man. pitching, I, I hope it does, man. I want to see that guy up in the major leagues. And if he, if he's terrible, then uh, I'm gonna delete all of our previous episodes. If he's good, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm be gonna the whole shout podcast. those out on Instagram. Yeah, and and I'll flex just for the fun of it. Uh, we let's continue to talk about pitching for a minute, and let's talk about Rizel Iglesias. Okay, a closer for us. He had a he had a stretch where he pitched eight perfect innings. Wow, and had shut people down. And then you have pointed out something a couple of times, and we've talked about it here on the Super Halo Brothers. But he actually is not too great in moments when it is not a save situation. Yeah. And we saw that on Sunday. He was able to get the win on Sunday, but he came in in a non-save situation and he gave up a run, which caused the Angels to have to come back and get two runs to walk it off. But he's, he's struggled in those moments. But when he comes in to actually save a game, 
he's been really consistent and he's been really good and he's been really confident, which is great to see because we haven't had a closer like that since Houston Street. Yeah, absolutely. It's a shame that we don't have a proper setup guy either. That is a huge glaring hole in yes. our bullpen among many glaring holes in our bullpen. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, look, he's not going to be perfect every time, but that, that, that run of eight perfect innings where I think – it was something like 16 strikeouts across yes. that run of yeah. eight innings is just incredible. And um, yeah, early on in the season, he struggled in non-save situations. Um, it's so weird to think about the mentality that somebody has coming into the game. We touched on this a little bit last week with Suarez. Like, is he going to succeed as a starter when he's been a reliever for so much, so much of the season? And yeah. I think that kind of showed on Monday night, like Suarez, um, his mechanics were different. His delivery was yep. a lot slower. And it was yep. like, dude, just go back to what you were doing when you were coming in right. as a reliever. And so in the right. same way, I think Rysel, uh has a different mindset when he's like, the game's on the line and I have to shut this down. Um, I really, I, I don't know, man. He's just a fighter and he's really yep. good. And the home run he gave up was to Cedric Mullins, I think, who has just been incredible. He's an all-star. And, and is also an all-star. <laughs> yeah, well-deserved. Yeah. Um, right. and, and the one lone representative from Baltimore. Um, yeah. so that's just really cool to see, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I, we have not had a closer like Rysel extend him, extend him. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah. Extend, 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 extend. <laughs> can Sign we talk about, can we talk up. about, uh, my favorite starting pitcher? Yeah. Old Sandy. <laughs> You're, I was going to call him that, but I remember I, I haven't earned the right. So, yeah, you uh, Mr. Sandoval, yet, you want to talk about Mr. We're there. Mr. We're Sandoval? There. Let's see how this conversation goes first. Um, yeah. Yeah, Sandoval, he started on Sunday and kind of showed flashes of the, the old Sandoval. I was concerned. Yes. He walked the bases yeah. loaded. Uh, fortunately, he got out of it without any issues. Um, yep. But, man, the pitch count was super high for him very early right. on. And that is just right. a thing that – is such a struggle for the angel starter sometimes. You know, um, I was on Twitter for the game on Tuesday night, and somebody mentioned, uh, oh, his name is Jeff Kelton, and his his handle is Angels Bruh, <laughs> and, and he's <laughs> okay. just a great follow. I love following him. And he mentioned how great it was to see us making Nathan Eovaldi and making yeah. his pitch count skyrocket. And that's what you got to do. That's why Upton being out of this lineup with injury right now just stinks because, man, from the leadoff spot, he was working counts like crazy. And so it was. it's nice to see our offense do that to the opposing pitchers. But that is something that bites us a lot, and that is that pitch count early on soaring up there. And so that was what happened to Sandoval on Sunday. But he walked five. He fought through it, got through at least yeah. five innings. Um, yeah. And so would would you say that's a moment of like a growth moment for him? Oh, 100%. I think getting getting through 5 was huge. And and he even came back out to pitch in the 6th inning and then gave up uh a hit or or a walk. I'm I'm not sure exactly what happened, but I remember he was really frustrated with himself. And Madden came out and Madden actually walked to the mound and Sandoval was off the back of the mound mm-hmm. pacing. And you can tell he's like, I don't want to come out of this game, but his pitch count was up over a hundred. Yeah. And so that's why they pulled him. And I I was really impressed. I, I love I love his fire. Um, and you mentioned Suarez and and what happened on Monday night. I, I think that Suarez has to get back into that consistent 
quick rhythm. In mm-hmm. fact, I think it was Mark Gubaza that it said was. on the broadcast, Matt Wise went out, or actually in the dugout, Matt Wise pulled him aside and said, bruh, <laughs> you gotta you gotta get your <laughs> rhythm back, right? Yeah. And and that's the thing that I noticed just in the stands was Suarez was walking around the mound, he's picking up the rosin bag, and he's getting into his set, and then he's looking for the sign, and then he's taking a moment, and then and then he's throwing it. He felt like a different pitcher on mm-hmm. Monday night than what we're used to. It reminded me of, of Matt Shoemaker. It just Shoemaker takes forever to actually throw <laughs> a pitch, favorite. right? My favorite. And, and what I felt from Suarez was that he was doing the same thing. The thing about Sandoval, even though he struggled on Sunday – is that he was right back in, and even, I think, Sutton uh, uh, recognized it. He said he was right back in and ready to go, and the batters actually had to step out because he kept speeding up the game, and the batters weren't even ready by the time that Sandoval was ready to throw a pitch. Yeah, yeah. I lo- Man, I love a quick, efficient pitcher. Uh, by the way, uh, Shoemaker was DFA the other day, by the way. No, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> that's a shame. Um, wow. <laughs> Speaking of Sunday, that we had a hero on Sunday, and that was Juan Lagares. Walk off one. Walk off one. <laughs> we won one, Juan. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I like Juan Lagares, and we've talked about him a few times, and you actually were the one that actually came around first on Juan Lagares. And, and here's, here's how much the season has changed, right? I just talked about those at the beginning of the episode who have been out, but I didn't mention Dexter Fowler. Remember oh, when he yeah. was on this team? Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and the truth is, is Dexter Fowler in this lineup might not be a game changer, but Dexter Fowler is somebody who gets on base. Yeah. And if he's healthy, he's in the outfield. He was and good. We're not having the time he was Rojas. Here. He was right. Good. We're not having, we're not having Rojas. We're not having Renhifo play the outfield. We have Dexter Fowler out there and, and who knows what it would have done to even somebody like Taylor Ward. And yeah. so that's why I love Juan Lagares. He has been a consistent outfielder. He always brings energy. I just, I think I love a guy, I love a ball player that, that is just killing his gum while he's, while he's getting ready to bat. <laughs> like you can just tell he's got so much energy and so much excitement and, and he's ready to go. And then on Sunday he hits the double with the bases loaded yeah. and walks it off and we get the victory. Yeah. So, uh, in your notes here, you had sufficient backup and that was all he was intended to be. And he's performing yes. like a backup. However, yeah. I think one of the the best qualities that he has is the fact that he's a gold glove center fielder. He's he's yes. a former gold glove winner. Um, in fact, on Tuesday night, he robbed Xander Bogarts of a two-run home run, which That's was huge. huge, and it was right above the yellow line. I don't know if that yellow line has ever done any uh, us any favors, but uh, Juan saved <laughs> I us. I don't think it has. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not GA. GA could have used that yellow line right. when he was uh, right. when he was hitting here. But uh, another hundred home runs, maybe. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, Lagaris saving that home run. Like it, I feel good with him in center field and yes. confident wh- wherever he is playing. And it's unfortunate that he has had to play as much as he has, considering right. the lack of of. Uh, of Mike Trout in center field. It's weird, man, to think that Upton, Rendon, and Trout are all hurt at the same time. And we we've just and with Fowler out early on in the season, we like we had this prime and ready lineup that looked really good. And in it that did. first week of baseball was really good. Yes. And we haven't had that lineup very much at all this season, especially with yeah. Trout coming out of the lineup. In, I think that the stat that you I think the stat you threw at me was like 
Upton, Rendon, and Trout in the same lineup, I think it's only happened like seven times this yeah, year. something so <laughs> minuscule, so, man. It was so sad. Unbelievable. I think it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the episode. Like, it's just another affirmation that maybe perhaps it's not as bad as we think, and that's why uh, the team is still hanging on, and, and Perry Manassian potentially could make some really good moves at the trade deadline. And yeah, we've talked about ad nauseum about bullpen and things like that, but the fact that we haven't had our complete lineup for more than maybe seven or eight games is is unreal. And the fact that we are still in it is even more extraordinary, I think. Well, and there there are things that are happening currently that are contributing to the success of this team. And one of those things is David Fletcher has oh, really man. turned it around since Yes, June, he has. Since the beginning yep. of June. Um, he, he looks Let's like... Let's talk about Fletch. <laughs> <laughs> he looks like the old Fletch again. In fact, he, he, does. Is, he, as of Tuesday night, has a 20-game hitting streak, man. And that wow. dude, Gubaza says it all the time, we need to get Fletch a license plate that says, I heart R-I-S-P-S. <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> he loves right. runners in scoring position. Because he just delivers, man. And when he yeah. doesn't have runners in scoring position, he's getting on for Otani, which is huge. And yeah. and that yeah. happened uh, in the first inning of the game on Tuesday night. Fletch hits yep. a double. Otani hits a double. We're back one-to-one. It was so good to see. So just Fletch's turnaround has been a key part of this team staying at 500, not falling off without Mike Trout, and and really overcoming the odds. So it's, it's really great to yeah. see. When we were talking on Monday night, I was talking with my son, and as the Angels were getting runners on, and uh, we were looking at the lineup, and it was looking like Fletch was actually going to be able to get in at bat, my son said, man, what if Fletch hits a home run? And I said, he won't, Gav. And he said, <laughs> "He said, why not? Oh, he doesn't have any? And I said, well, he doesn't have any, but it's intentional. Have you seen his swing? Yeah. He's certainly not swinging for the fence. Right. He's swinging to pound that ball on the ground or line it down the line, and he's not swinging at strikes. He's pulling a Vladimir Guerrero senior and he's hitting that ball anywhere and everywhere. Yeah. The, the only chance of him hitting a home run is into the corner at a stadium. That's not angel stadium. Right. <laughs> like somebody, somebody yeah. that has a short corner <laughs> for their dimensions. Right. Uh, right. We listen, we call this episode. Hey, jealousy because Otani belongs to us. And yes, he in does this last week, man, among the Otani slander. Cause he didn't get out of the first inning and then yet he crushes two home runs in the same game against the Yanks. He he jumps to 31 home runs and leads yeah. all of MLB in that category. Man, he is he was the MLB player of the week or the AL player of the week last week. He got another yep. one. And he yep. was the June player of the month, which is unbelievable. Awesome. And unbelievable. I am just it's it cracks me up. I so uh when he got selected as an all-star for pitching the town tailgate podcast my buddy julio and his friend chris are huge a's fans and they he said by the way no offense but we don't think shohei should have been selected as a pitcher and i said why because he had one bad game in new york and he said well he's only pitched this many innings he's only got this many strikeouts and i'm like okay he doesn't have the length or the numbers but when his like swing and miss rate is up there with jacob de and the batting average against is under a hundred on his on his splitter and stuff like that. It's like, yes, he doesn't have the biggest sample size, but what he does have are numbers that are comparable to what guys like Degrom are doing. And so I just I am so over the jealousy that people have. That the my favorite 
slash not favorite Dodger blog was saying well, they need to trade Trout and Otani because they don't know how to build a contender. And it's just like, why are we always on the minds of all of these other teams? Like, just right. just enjoy watching these people. Like, like Fernando Tatis Jr. made this incredible double jump catch last on Monday night. And <laughs> it, it was, was like, like an Angels in the Outfield moment. <laughs> it looked like Super Smash Brothers with a double jump yeah, did. where you're trying to he get back jumped. to the ledge. And and somebody said like like the the conversation on Twitter was uh you can't you can't enjoy Otani because you have to enjoy Tatis because he's better. It's like everybody's consensus was why do we say stuff like this? Why can't we just enjoy yes. what is happening in baseball right now? So all of that to so, say the the jealousy is just it cracks me up because we know what our needs are. You and I as Angel fans know that yes. we need pitching. And we are frustrated. Like people act like yeah. the angels are okay with, or angel fans are okay with having the two best players in baseball and not doing anything. No, we're not okay not with it. And right. we're sick of it, but right. we are going to celebrate and enjoy what we have on the field. So that's, that's my rant. <laughs> that was good. Do you remember, do you remember the classic comedy sketch show in living color? Oh, who are you talking to? In Come living on. color. You can and do what my- you want. <laughs> one of my favorite episodes, one of my favorite sketches is with uh, Benita Williams, and she is talking about her favorite teacher, Miss Jenkins. And Ms. she Jenkins. says, don't you say anything bad about Miss Jenkins, right? <laughs> and so whenever I hear whenever I hear slander about Shohei, I feel like Benita Jenkins or Benita Williams and saying, don't you say anything bad about Shohei? Because this guy is unbelievable. And I found a, 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 an old article um, that actually was an interview of Babe Ruth when he was pitching and when mm-hmm. he was hitting. And I believe it was one of the um, well-known, maybe Buster Olney, somebody like that, that tweeted it out. Babe Ruth said that it's it's going to be impossible for somebody to consistently pitch and consistently hit every single day and perform over a period of a few years. And it's why he went to actually hitting. Mm -hmm. He said it himself. It's just too difficult. And here's the thing about Babe Ruth. He was playing against people who worked 40 hours a week and then came to the ballpark and and picked up a bat. So (laughs) him, him hitting and him pitching was remarkable. Sure. But what Shohei is doing is extraordinary because he is doing it against people who only play baseball and only do this for a living. And that to me is you got to tip the cap like you would to Derek Jeter or a David Ortiz or somebody like a Ken Griffey Jr. Mm-hmm. You just got to tip the cap to whatever they're doing and not say, well, I don't think that you should allow him to A, B, and C. Listen, shut up. Don't you say anything <laughs> bad about Shohei Otani. Shut up, because Brian Kenny. Shohei, absolutely. <laughs> Shohei is extraordinary, and he deserves all of the accolades because he's earned it. And in fact, they've been talking about him potentially starting the All-Star Game, yeah. which will cause all sorts of drama with teams that have nothing to do with the Angels and I don't care because I want to see him start and then I want to see him hit and I want to see him hit bombs and I want to see him take down people and maybe he'll even throw in a couple people's heads (laughs) he might if he's having command issues that night (laughs) (laughs) it is it is mile high stadium right they're gonna be real high up just the the going back to the jealousy thing like you look at a situation with Adam Adovito on, on Monday night where he's cussing and, and saying, talking crap to Shohei when he gets yeah. the last out. It's just like, 
dude, come on. The nicest guy right. in baseball, and you're going to talk crap. Like, don't get me wrong. If if he said, heck yeah, but like with a worse word, you know? Sure, <laughs> like, sure. that's that's common. That's normal. Like, yeah, get celebrate. Get excited about that. your win. Absolutely. Yeah, but to like target Shohei on his birthday, yeah. for crying out loud, like, right. <laughs> and make it a point to say something, like, just get out of here, dude. And I understand the A's fans might be frustrated with the fact, like, Chris Bassett, Sean Maniah, those guys are having incredible years. They more than deserve spots on the all-star team. But Shohei was voted in by his peers. That's not something you can take away. Yes. And And, uh, every year, every year, there's going to be somebody that deserves to be on the team that doesn't get on the team. So you either expand the rosters or you get over it. Like you you get some cheese with that wine and you get over it because (laughs) I'm tired of it. And listen, for Adovado or Adovito or I don't even want to say his name. It's a bad (laughs) word in my mouth. Him, him getting mad at Shohei, like you're getting mad at a guy who breaks somebody's bat with a pitch and then runs and gets the piece of the bat in the field, doesn't let the bat boy get it, he runs and gets it, and then hands the bat back to Christian Arroyo. <laughs> you're, you're talking about a guy that Bally Sports West skipped the commercial break on Tuesday night just so that they could see Shohei change into his hitting attire which was literally putting putting on batting gloves and an arm guard hey, <laughs> like it was I so loved every ridiculous. minute of it i don't care i, I loved every minute I, of it. I didn't have to listen to the bally sports commercials on the app <laughs> oh man and, and and can we just shout out bally sports you guys are doing a great job in game but if you could for the app um, listen, I'd love to record some commercials for you because I'm tired of the same commercials every break over and over and over Sometimes again. Sometimes twice. It's, it's over. <laughs> it's, it's, it's over. And so I, I mute it. I don't pay attention and I'm not going to buy anything from tennis.com or Never. stirred. Never. I'm not going to do anything <laughs> for any of these commercials. So you got to change it. Please change it. Please change, change it now. It <laughs> I love that. Um, All right, Johnny, I have a really unpopular opinion for you. Oh, you do? You're going to derail the whole thing. <laughs> I, I, I am. I am. I'm going to crush your spirits and I'm going to I'm going to break your heart and probably every listener's heart, all right? Oh boy. All I right. I have an unpopular opinion and I just want to state that it's my unpopular opinion, but we're talking about Shohei. Okay. And I think that Shohei Otani should not be in the home run derby. I have no words. <laughs> I am without speech. Why would you do um, this to me? And so here's why. The stats of home run derby participants and winners prove to me why Shohei should not be in the home run derby. Okay, Brian Kenny. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I got a couple of examples for you. Here we go. (laughs) That's my best Brian Kenny. All right. So here, here, here we go. Derby winners have dropped in home run production. Pre derby, they were hitting a home run every two games. Post derby, they were hitting a home run every three games, all right? So we can't have that with Shohei. He's our offense. He's helping our team win. Derby winners have dropped an at, uh, batting average. Pre-derby, they're hitting 300. Post-derby, they're hitting 287. And derby winners have dropped an OPS. Pre-derby, they're, they have an OPS of 958. Post-derby, 901. And the best hmm. example and most recent example of why Shohei shouldn't do the home run derby is Aaron Judge. Listen to these numbers. Pre-derby, 328 batting average, hmm. 448 on-base percentage, mm-hmm. 691 OPS. Okay. Post-derby, 2017, post-derby, 169 batting average, 
329 on base percentage, 355 OPS. Okay. My conclusion, John, is that Shohei Otani should not be in the home run derby. So what do you think? What what changes that causes this decline for home run derby participants? What is it that happens? I think that it's the fact that they are such creatures of habit okay. that they go into a home run derby and it's not typical batting practice, right? Okay. So they have batting practice where they're actually preparing for the home run derby and they're trying to hit home runs mm-hmm. and then they get into the home run derby and it's not batting practice and they're trying to hit home runs and they just mess up their swing. All right. And so I remember playing church league softball and I remember <laughs> when I was trying to go to right field, it messed up my swing completely. And there was a stretch where I was not hitting well. And that's and, why Otani should not play in the home run derby. And that's why Otani should <laughs> not be in the home run derby. Listen, I've got all sorts of stats and figures and details, and I will fight till the end because Otani is our team, and I don't want to see him get hurt. And I think a part of it, honestly, is that these ball players are creatures of habit, and I think it's hard to actually adjust back. Plus, he's going to be pitching and hitting in the game, and I think that it's just going to wear him out. I don't want to see him get hurt. And so, one more time, Shohei Otani should oh boy. not be in the home run derby. I'm going to have to edit this podcast and squeeze the volume <laughs> down and all the kinds of <laughs> magic. Listen. Mike, you weren't even in that episode. What happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> Listen, it was just John I, talking to himself. <laughs> I got to disagree with you because here's the thing. Otani, if you haven't noticed, Michael, he swings for the fences every time. When he's <laughs> up to bat, mm-hmm. he is swinging out of his shoes. In fact, mm-hmm. our old beat writer for The Athletic, Fabian Ardaya, had a helmet loss counter for every time his helmet flew <laughs> off of good. his head. That's good. <laughs> and it's it's the approach that Otani takes when he's at the plate. Like if you're in his swing path, that ball is gone. Now, don't get me wrong. Yes. He can he can hit it outside, he can hit it inside. He can put the ball in play in different ways. But when it comes to a home run hitting swing, that's his MO. And hmm. I don't believe that the home run derby is going to mess with his mechanics because hmm. I think it's the kind of swing that he puts into practice anyway. But here's the other thing. Let's see. We're, we're 41 and, and 41 right now. If, if we were 60 and 20, then I might agree with you. But okay. the fact that we're sitting at 500 right now without Mike Trout, and I know that we have hope for the rest of the season, but there's yeah. a reason why Otani was voted in by the fans. There's a reason why he was voted in as a pitcher by his cohorts. There's a reason why he wants to be in the home run derby. This is a once in a lifetime thing. We will never see this again. I don't think that he'll ever participate in another home run derby. He might be an all-star of course in the future, but to do all three at once in the best season he's ever had and the best start he's ever had, like this is not going to happen again. It's I, I understand your concerns because they are valid and you have examples and I have seen it myself. The decline that, that people have when they participate, I don't think it's going to affect him the way that it has other people because he's not other people. I think that doing all three events, or I should say both events, but doing three different things is just something that we're never going to see again. And this is the year to do it. That's my only argument. 
I think that you actually gave me two more reasons for why he shouldn't be in the home run derby. <laughs> uh, reason number one, if his helmet falls off and it bounces up and hits him, he could get hurt. So there's another reason. <laughs> He's not Rendon. Right? Come on. And then, and <laughs> He's then, not Upton. And then reason number two, you said that people want to see him do that. Listen, when is peer pressure and making decisions about peer pressure ever a good reason why you should do something? I'm putting that down right now. Hold on. I got to type this in. No, because because I got to keep track of this. The more people want to see him, the more dollar signs that Artie Marino sees and the more reason he has to extend Shohei for the next 10 years or whatever it's going to be. All I would say to Shohei, all I would say to Shohei is, listen. If everybody jumped off a bridge, would you? Right? I'm sure they so, would. I'm sure Shohei would. If he did, people would follow. <laughs> he, he would. Yeah. All right. So uh, it's July and the MLB draft is going to be happening and we're going to be able to see some of these young guys get drafted out of college. And so what John and I decided to do was take a look back over the last 10 years of our number one picks in those last 10 mm-hmm. years. So each year mm-hmm. we'll look at one of the top picks and see how they're doing, see where they're at and see if they're actually making a difference for our team or maybe perhaps another team. And, and maybe, maybe we can celebrate some of the draft picks and maybe we can mourn some of the draft picks. So John, why don't you start us starting in the year 2011? Yeah. So if you go back to 2011, you're going to see that the Angels drafted a fan favorite, I think, uh, yeah. CJ Crone. Love CJ. CJ Crone, uh, currently playing first base for the Rockies. Yep. And in the time after that he was on the Angels, he went to the Rays, he went to the Twins, the Tigers, and the Rockies. He spent a lot of time playing DH. Um, yes. And, and a little bit of first base. But now that he's in the National League, he is at first base in the National League for the Rockies. But, Mike, I wanted to bring up a really fun memory of C.J. Crone. Do you remember? It was July 2nd, 2016. The Angels had a football score in Boston, and it was 21-2, to some ridiculous number. Okay. And C.J. Crone, get this, he went 6-for-6 six six oh. with two home runs and five RBIs that day. Amazing. What a so game. So he's, he's doing pretty well for himself. I mean, he has definitely become kind of a journeyman, and he he is the he's the DH type. He's the big bat type. You know, you're going to get some power from him. Um, yeah. I, I didn't look up his Rockies numbers, but the fact that he's hitting at Coors Field, I'm sure is nothing but beneficial for him. So yeah. that's, what we, yeah. that's who we got in 2011, CJ Krohn. What's next? Nice. Um, I'm surprised he's actually bounced around as much as he had. Like yeah, I would think that he would actually stick with the team. Yeah, yeah. He, he just had interesting, one year deals here and there. Move. But maybe since his 2016 season was so great, he could take over and play for Shohei in the home run derby, and then Shohei wouldn't get hurt. <laughs> get out of here. Uh, so in 2012 and 2013, we actually didn't have a pick, John, because uh, 2012 <laughs> we that, signed Michael? Albert. <laughs> okay. We signed your favorite player, Albert Pujols. Yeah. And then yeah. in 2013, uh, we signed. Uh, <laughs> Josh Hamilton, oh, and that worked out great. Yeah, um, fantastic. But then finally, finally in 2014, we had a number one pick, and that pick was Sean Newcomb, a left-handed hey. pitcher. And Sean actually was a Reed Detmers type, like up-and-coming, mm-hmm. excitable guy. We were kind of looking forward to seeing him. And then they ended up trading him along with Chris Ellis and somebody that we, as Angel fans, will remember, Eric Ibar. Yeah, they did. They traded those guys for Andrelton Simmons to the Atlanta Braves. Yeah. And that was a good move, I think, because we benefited from Simmons being Big on our time. team. 
And then if you look at what Newcomb did with the Braves, he was a starter for two years, 2017-2018. He had a 16-8 and record, ERA a little above four. And then it seemed like something shifted in Braves management or in their philosophy with how they're going to use him because in 2019, they moved him to the bullpen. Yeah. He didn't have a bad year that year, but 2019, 2020, 2021, he has an eight and five record and his ERA is almost seven and he is currently in the minor leagues. And so something shifted for him. Um, after starting for two years, and he was pretty solid as a starter for those two years, but something shifted, and I haven't followed it closely, but he is currently in the minor leagues right now. So I think the Angels actually won that trade and benefited much more than the Braves did. Yeah, they were able to get uh, Eric Ibar and his salary off of the team, and he had one year left on that deal. Um, But in return, we got Simmons, who only got better with each year. In fact, his batting average went up, I think, significantly every year. Um, And and obviously, the defense can't be matched. Um, And so I really do think we won that trade. What's interesting to me about that trade is the fact that we are always constantly talking about our need for pitching. And we, we traded a really good pitching prospect for a position player that panned out for us now in 2021 i think the other the shoe is on the other foot in the sense that we have lots of position players to trade if we wanted to um position player prospects that could yield us a great return on a starting pitcher with a couple of years on their deal left i would love to see something like that so uh this would be the equivalent now of giving up a joe adele or a brandon marsh because we were that excited about sean newcomb back yes. in 2014. So, yeah. uh, and, and, it, and it was hard to see a prospect go, but I think we won that trade because yeah. Simmons, Simmons proved to be a, a great shortstop for us. Um, and speaking of trades, you, you had mentioned this already, but the 2015 pick is actually somebody that you think would be a great trade chip for maybe uh, a bullpen piece or a starting pitcher. Go ahead and yeah, talk about him. 2015, we drafted Taylor Ward as a catcher. Now that's, a little bit frustrating of a draft because there were lots of other players to choose from yes. in that draft. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> lots. Uh, yeah. 2015, we got Taylor Ward, drafted him as a catcher. Since then, he's played, you know, corner infield, corner outfield. Um, yep. and th- but uh, he first came up in 2018, but in 34 games in 2020, he hit 277. So it's a small yes. sample size, but he really showed us what he was capable of in 2020. But uh, this year so far, in 54 games, he's batting 247. He's got seven home runs, 28 RBIs. He demonstrates power a lot of the time, yes. and and yes. and he demonstrates contact pretty well too. Um, he is not the best outfielder. Um, he hasn't always been the best base runner, but I right. think that just goes to show he's still learning the game at a very high level. Um, Agreed. And, and I have said many times, I think he could be a, a a good trade piece because he could benefit from being on somebody else's team. And he could certainly yield us a nice bullpen piece, maybe even a a double A starter, something like that. So that's Hmm. currently where Taylor Ward sits, our 2015 draft pick. What about 2016, Mike? 2016 was Matt Theis. And I think Theis actually could be a really great piece for the Angels and or a great trade piece for another team. He was Mm -hmm. drafted as a catcher, Mm -hmm. but he can play third base. He's played the outfield. He's played first base. And he kind of has a Cole Calhoun feel and vibe about him yeah and so he's only played 61 games total in the majors batting average a little over 200 
on base is a little under 300. He's got nine homers, 24 RBIs, and he's kind of a multifaceted player. He's playing really well in the minor leagues currently, but he's he's probably blocked by a few of the longtime angels like Rendon at third base and Walsh at first base. Well, they've been playing him as a they've been playing him as a catcher yes. in the minors recently, which yes. I'm like gosh dang, get Suzuki off this team and let Tice right. come up and and, and catch somebody. <laughs> and that actually would be a really good move because Tice is a left-handed bat. So having a left-handed hitting catcher could actually be a benefit to oh, this team. 100%. Yeah. What about 2017, John? 2017, my friend, was the year that we drafted Mr. Joe Adele. Joe Adele. Joe Adele, uh, as we all know, he, he came up in 2020 last year. In kind of a move just to see what happened. I mean, he was not getting any minor league time because there were no minor leagues, so he was at the extended site just essentially playing scrimmages. But yeah, but uh, we yeah. brought him up for 38 games in 2020, and he showed some power. He got three home runs, um, but unfortunately only bat 161. And the yeah. defense was also a big liability. Now, look, yeah. we, we brought him up at a point in the season where it was like, who cares at this point? Um, yeah, let him play. <laughs> let yep. him play, and and honestly, I think that we need to let him play some more um, and let him come up to the majors. But uh, as we all know, he had the uh, famous home run off of the head, and it bounced over the wall. Yep, pulled a Jose Canseco. <laughs> yes, Canseco he did, did that back in the early nineties. Yep. <laughs> in fact, I think I think Canseco even responded to that when when it happened yeah. on Twitter. Yeah, who did but, it? Who did it better? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, this year in AAA, he's batting two sixty two in fifty one games, uh, seventeen home runs and forty six RBIs. Man, wow! So he wow. is really showing the power that he has. Now everybody is complaining about his strikeout rate, but like I said last week, I would much rather see a young, talented prospect in Joe Adele striking out and occasionally hitting a home run over a, yeah. a Scott Schebler or whatever. <laughs> so right. um, I right. think that we could definitely turn our season around if he were to come up. So how about uh, how about 2018, Mike? Jordan Adams was our pick. He actually is the 76th ranked player in all of minor league baseball, according to Baseball Prospectus. Nice. And he's currently in high A. His first full year in rookie ball was 2019. And, and he had a, a a pretty good year. I actually would say that his numbers were, were pretty decent. 257 average, 351 on base, 720 OPS, and he had eight home runs and 36 RBIs. That was in three different stops combined. But I think that those numbers are, are pretty solid. Obviously, last year didn't have the numbers, and he's off to a slow start right now in high A mm-hmm. and and struggling. But He's an outfielder, and so again, it's one of those things where is he blocked from coming up with Marsh and Adele and some of those guys, and could they trade him? Could they move him to a different spot? Those are the questions that surround Jordan Adams right now, but he was our number one draft pick in 2018. What about 2019? 2019 is an interesting story because we drafted shortstop Will Wilson. Um, There was a lot of excitement around him. Uh, It was kind of a... Not not an obvious pick, but it was a pick that everyone went, oh, okay. Like, especially us as Angel fans. Um, unfortunately, the magic didn't last very long because yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> over the offseason in 2019, he was traded to the Giants in the Zach Cozart trade. That was a huge Ooh. salary dump for us because yes. we had signed Cozart to a, to a deal after his great final year with the Reds. 
we got fleeced because <laughs> because yes, he did not he did. he did not carry over that great uh, walk year into his contract with us, and he was hurt all the time. Fletcher came up and uh, just dominated at second base, so it was time to say goodbye to Zach Cozart. Unfortunately, in order to, for, to get the Giants to take Zach Cozart. Uh, we had to include our number one pick in Will Wilson. Now he is currently wow. uh, in the Giants minor league system. He's batting 246 this season uh, in 199 at bats, and he's got 10 home runs. So uh, it still okay. seems like he's got a little ways to go. And then 2020, <laughs> my boy Reed yes. Detmers, left-handed pitcher. He's the 74th ranked prospect in all of baseball right now. He's actually in the futures game. He's one of the one of the players oh, that, that will be playing in that game. And his 2021 season. His numbers aren't eye-popping numbers, but I think mm-hmm. when you look at like double A and that's where he's at currently, I think that those numbers are a bit skewed because they're really trying some things out. And I think yeah. because he's got a future, I think because they think that there's a future in the major leagues, possibly this year, if not next year for sure. Um, so he's two and three. He's got an ERA under four. Here's the numbers that really stood out to me. 46 innings pitched. He is just a starter. He has 10 starts. 84 strikeouts. So he has wow. doubled his innings pitched in strikeouts, and he's again that. in double A. Dang. That's crazy. Hey, if you had yeah. your way, I know he would be up tomorrow. <laughs> Absolutely. And what I love about it is the thing that has been um, unique for the Angels, and I, I don't know if it's true for every other Major League Ball Club, but when they have players who are performing average in double in A, those players usually translate into really solid major league ball players. So I'm excited to see what Reed Detmers can do. Absolutely. So listen, uh, uh, we're coming up on the end of the show here, but we always got to keep track of where the, our different play-by-play announcers stand in terms of wins yes, we do. and losses. And I have an update. Oh, give me an update. This is not a surprise to anybody listening on Wednesday because we're recording this Tuesday night and uh, <laughs> it's already happened. So welcome yeah. From the past, I guess. Uh, Mr. <laughs> Matt Vaskersian has earned his 10th win of the season. He is finally Matty in v. double digits. <laughs> that a boy. So, Matty V is now 10 and 18 on the season yes, in called yep. games. Mr. Uncomfortable Darren Sutton <laughs> is uh, 29 and 23. Jose Moda who uh, calls the player takeover games where they bring in former players to sit in with Gooby and Moda. Uh, he is currently two and one. I hope they do another one of those soon. Um, yeah, that'd be there, great. There was an extra Fox Saturday night baseball game. Uh, so we are just counting that as kind of an other category. And that is uh, one and oh. So the angels currently sit at 43 and 42 without Mike Trout. Wow. And Rendon. And Unbelievable. <laughs> Unbelievable. Now, we've we, we said this last episode, so I want to make sure that we update these numbers as well. We, okay. we think that possibly a 91 win season will get us into the wild card spot. Mm-hmm. And currently, as the, the statistics show us, as the, the standings show us, the Angels would need to go 48 and 29 to get to 91 victories. As of Tuesday night, 48 and 29, which to me doesn't sound too over the top and too no. extreme. No. That seems like it's definitely doable. Uh, listen, I think that it can only get better from here because I agree. we have Mike Trout coming back. Uh, 
Rendon is going to be out through the all-star break, uh, 10-day injured list. Um, but hopefully everybody gets the rest that they need. Um, Rendon, Upton, Trout returning. Uh, we'll see what kind of moves Perry Manassian makes in terms of uh, getting us some better pitching. They brought yeah. up Andrew Wants or Wants. Not quite sure how to say that. But uh, they, they, they brought him up. And we'll just call him Drew. Yeah. It's Drew, it's Drew now. Uh, it's Drew now. It, it, I mean, look, it's a wants and a lifetime opportunity, and he's got to oh, make the goodness. most of it. <laughs> Oh, goodness. That's terrible. Wow. Well, uh, I think that about does it. What do you say? On that note, we on need that to end note, the episode. <laughs> on that high note, that high note, uh, yeah. listen, uh, we always appreciate you guys uh, joining us every single week here on the podcast. Uh, what do you say about next week? We, we have next Tuesday, the all-star game. So we might need to do a little bit of a late recording so that we could have the most current and up-to-date recap on Wednesday morning. What do you say? I am down. Mark me down. Put me down. Awesome. Well, okay. So that means we will have a little bit of angels baseball to talk about because we have the, uh, the rest of this Red Sox series. We've got the Mariners coming up and then it's the all-star break in which, yeah, we will see Shohei Otani and Jared Walsh. Mike Trout is an all-star, but he will likely not play the game. Right. Uh, we will also see Shohei in the Home Run Derby, so there are still going to be lots of angels to talk about Definitely. next week. And, again, I'll be doing a team takeover of Around the Diamond on social media. So check that out on Monday and Tuesday as I cover the Home Run Derby and the all-star game thanks again everybody for joining us uh as always uh we appreciate your listen uh follow us at super halo bros on instagram and twitter and if you are so inclined and you enjoyed this episode please make sure you leave us a review on apple Podcasts and give us your feedback and uh, help us out in any way that you can uh other than that i think it's a good time to say that my name is john and that's my brother mike And my name is Mike, and that's my brother John. And we will see you next week. Take care, everybody.